Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to Be with Mike G, the show of life, the show of Costa Rica, the show of politics, music, John Mayer, and so much more. Today, I sit down with Carlos Soto, the founder of Nosotros Mezcal and Tequila. He came to the States when he was 18 years old, had an amazing journey in this industry so far, and really, really well read. It's great talking to him. He's a conversationalist. We could have kept recording. We could have talked about everything historical, political, and in between. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this great chat with Carlos Soto from Nosotros Tequila and Mezcal. You know, like when you're talking with somebody and the person's looking at you in the eye mm-hmm. and like, you know, they're listening. It's yeah. a little bit different of a feel when, when that's happening versus like somebody's kind of like their eyes are going everywhere. Phones are in the way. That's right. I feel like you get very little of that in Texas. Like uh, interactions are very pure. I love that. And well, and the other thing too is in, in a sense, we're kind of skewed our, our view is skewed because we're often in bars and when bar people find out you're in the yeah. industry. So it's almost like there's always a wall that starts, right? That's like, right. Oh, that's what is right. the fucker gonna try to sell me right now? <laughs> exactly, right? And you're like, well, no. Can we just drink tequila yeah. together? Like, oh, okay. Well, in that case, you know, you talk about mezcal. It's like this community is just it builds, but it, it does make me wonder. You know, my my mom's from San Francisco, so the Bay I went to all the time when I was younger. Okay. Love the Bay, but how is LA in terms of people and how they're connected? Did you get that? And I'm not enticing you to talk shit about LA, but. Is it the same kind of hospitality there that you kind of feel here in Texas? Not, not remotely close to Texas, I'd say. Yeah. It's it's different. Um, it's a little bit different because there's different pockets mm-hmm. in, in LA. You have the West Hollywood, downtown. You have the West Side where like Santa Monica, Venice is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the South Bay where it's like Manhattan Beach, El Segundo. It, yeah, Silver Lake. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, Silver Lake's a different deal. Everything is just a different. It's such a big city, man, and like so many different pockets. Mm-hmm. Um you can find like there's there's really good people in LA too. It's yeah. just like, you know you gotta try and find the the places. Yeah. I don't frequent like you know clubs or like stuff like that. I don't, yeah. I, I, Not your thing. No, no. Um, so you know at least for the places I go to, I, I do have a good interactions sitting at the bar and just chatting with people and mm-hmm. whatnot. Yeah. You know. Sometimes being an entrepreneur and being social and hospitable are not things that, that exist at the same time, right? Do you feel like you had a natural proclivity and like skill set to be good in this industry because you you like people naturally? Um, I I think so, man. I think so, and and you know even without getting too much on, are, are we recording it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know if we we're. Oh, no, um, right. But yeah, even like the the name of the brand, right? Like the name of the brand is Nosotros, and yeah. like a little bit of where that comes from is is why do people drink? Uh-huh. It's a it's a social experiment. It's kind of lowering your guard and connecting at a deeper level. Mm-hmm. And he, with our team, I always tell them, like, guys, we're, we're not in the booze business. We're in the business of making friends. Mm-hmm. Like, that is literally our, our, our business, and it's people to people. Um, I think that's part of the reason why it attracted me so much when the idea came to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I find that, that 
the very ability to communicate, like do what we're doing right now and like being able to share our thoughts and our stories and our experiences, that is the one thing that separates us from every other animal in this, in this world, right? Like our ability to like tell a story and, and, you know, from a very like evolutionary standpoint, like Mm. that's what's kept us alive. Mm. Like when you, you know, back in the day, Hey, like, don't go to that Valley. There's a lion that's going to eat you. Right. Right. Um, and like being able to tell that story kind of shaped it and, and yeah 100 percent. i think that is the coolest part about our spirit industry and how it works which is being able to connect with people yeah community man gave too yeah. i write about it quite a bit that there's there's people that, that and we'll actually we'll get into it because tequila for me is a particular thing it's a it's a not even as a, as a spirit itself like of course a spirit you know we're, we're sipping something that's not tequila but made from tequilanas yeah it can be quite diverse and stuff but more about the personalities and tequila which, which <laughs> we'll talk about but to me, it's, it sounds like you're very eloquent and obviously, you know, bilingual coming from Costa Rica and stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you have other kinds of creative outlets for yourself? Do you write? Do you play music? It seems like you I'm would. A, I'm, a, I'm a weird human, man. I um, have had a lot of different interests growing up. Mm-hmm. I, I, I read a lot. Yeah. Um, I definitely do. Um, I love art. <laughs> I, Beautiful. I was definitely very much into um, into art growing up, uh, especially graffiti. Oh, cool! Uh, I spent yeah. a lot of time like on the on the streets and like with that, had some friends. Um, the nature of that that world that uh, you know, I'm happy I stepped away from sure, it. Sure, sure. Um, but you know, still like people like Banksy, for example. Uh-huh. That was like my uh, in high school. Like I did a bunch of papers on him just because I found him so interesting and like the impact that graffiti had. A, like. Uh, cultural political level in yeah. costa rica um music music i'm, I'm not musically talented mm-hmm. uh i tried i you know i picked up a guitar a couple yeah, of times yeah. and and uh you definitely don't want to hear me sing um <laughs> but a lot of my friends were and you know one of my best friends growing up and he's one of the most amazing musicians i've, I've met and his ability to play anything yeah um and his father was a musician and then uh, a lot of people around me growing up were, were musicians so i grew very uh um exposed to music mm. and um similar to you know right before we started we we're talking about like how booze kind of leaves things and transcends time and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. music is the same way i think oh, yeah. it's it's the most amazing thing that and i'm so envious of the people that have that ability because mm. you can create mm-hmm. and it's going to live forever oh that's a great point yeah. it, it's something that just kind of stays and you know it 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 picks up through time yeah right when you, it's funny that can, before i certainly dive into art with you because I, lo- I love art as well the one of the reasons and i, I don't always say this like on the show or because or i've been doing this like eight years now so it's been quite quite a long and a lot of work you know a lot, like a lot of people that, that have come and gone in this industry and stuff which is great but i hope this in some way this actual representation of two people drinking mezcal and talking about life that it in itself is an archive of you you know what i mean <laughs> cool. I, th- I think that's of cool. it that way and, and yeah. you, you know you may say a book is, is a historical way to capture things and like i agree but i i find that these interviews if you do them in in a particular way of like the interviews that i loved when i was growing up or even before i was born this can serve as that and a couple of my guests beautiful like tomas estes which i interviewed multiple times he passed and but you can still, when you hear his voice and you hear him talk about life, it's, it remains in the ether forever. So yeah. I, I feel that same way. Sorry, yeah. but back to art though. No, I, I love I love that approach, man, because it's it's 100% like little bits and pieces of, of things that 
down the road maybe somebody's gonna listen to and it's a way to it's crazy yeah. man yeah there's there's a story when i'll tell you when, when we're done recording about a guest that had passed and someone found our interview oh no way yeah it's crazy and i didn't even know he had he'd passed you know um, wow but in terms of well that music because i'm kind of scary with ai well <laughs> that's, that's true <laughs> that's too and I, I, I do work at one of the biggest tech companies and ai and stuff and that's a it's not as scary as we think not okay yet. okay anyway but when it comes to music with you traveling so much right that's mm -hmm. a key time to listen to stuff i imagine yeah so first off you spotify guy or apple music guy? apple music okay heard yeah <laughs> what give me maybe two artists lately that you've been really listening to my uh the one i travel with the most and i just have so much respect for his journey and and he doesn't drink mm -hmm. uh john mayer oh i don't know john mayer doesn't drink i he, yeah he quit drinking i think now like eight years ago or no so, something like that okay. he had some dark moments so. sure sure uh, and I've been in the U.S. for 10 years. Uh -huh. I moved to, to L.A. Uh, just about 10 years ago. Every single time he had a show in L.A., uh, I was not able to go for XYZ reasons. Oh, no, really? And for the first time, man, um, just about a month ago, he announced a random show at the World Turn, mm -hmm. super small venue, mm -hmm. and you had to like sign up to get tickets, and I signed up and finally got, got it on like, Tuesday. I went by myself. Damn I was literally that. just sitting there like li listening to it, and, and yeah, he, he um, I think he's so talented. Um, he seems like I think one of the litmuses for artists for me, maybe one extreme or the other. But I'd want to, even though he doesn't drink, I'd like to go get a drink with John Mayer. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. Seems like a kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're just very, very easy going. All right, John Mayer, that's great. Give me one more that you're listening to. Uh, can it be deceased? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Who are? Uh, Bob Marley. One hundred. No kidding. Bob Marley is, I think, my my favorite artist of all time. Um, I the impact. I don't know. Growing up in Costa Rica, you get super exposed to reggae as yeah. a whole. Um, but his approach to the world, well, funny enough, he also did not drink. <laughs> this is, I just, I just connected dots there. Yeah. He was, well, he uh, didn't drink, but, uh, nah, he had other, other, uh, <laughs> yeah, predilections, if you will. <laughs> exactly. Um, but no, his, his approach to, to life and, um, he was a huge soccer fan, which I am too. Mm -hmm. Um, and his political involvement to me was was really cool um i there's a there's a i actually haven't seen the documentary i really want to watch that but there's one on amazon prime that i really want to watch mm. but um he had an insane point in time with the kingstone and 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 i think it was like late 70s or something mm -hmm. like that um where jamaica was actually in like a huge political upheaval between two uh um candidates and mm. In the middle of this concert, uh, I think he called it the One Love concert. Mm -hmm. He brings both of these people in the middle of jamming, and on stage he invites them personally. He brings oh, wow. them, and on stage he makes them shake hands. Holy and shit. it was like supposedly Jamaica was like en route to like the civil war between those two, these two groups, and like he completely set the tone for like how the rest of the election was going to continue to be. Oh my gosh! Um, I don't know, man. His, That's his massive. Music, I didn't know that. Yeah. His music and his impact in 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 life mm -hmm. um i think was amazing and the fact that you know he lived to like like mid 30s i think was he assassinated or no he developed cancer oh i uh, didn't know that okay yeah see some some people think it had something to do with the dreads but uh -huh. it was like uh -huh. in a, in a toenail <laughs> just kind of random oh he just caught it super late and uh did not want to go to therapy um because of his beliefs wow yeah he could rust the foreign i guess right is that right yeah so, which yeah. is a specific kind of uh, a lot of people don't realize it's actually like a an ethical lens and religion exactly. and, and all that yeah no yeah. that's i mean that's 
that's kind of amazing but i think that that those two people in their own ways it's maybe representative of what i'm starting to learn about you and that is the connection to the community and the connection to history and even politics in growing up in costa rica you know hanging out with or maybe even being a graffiti artist yourself which is no judgment i think that's great was there any expectation because what i've, I've one of the things i love the most about being in this industry is you got to take a lot of ubers right you gotta be yeah. responsible right <laughs> and you get exposed to people with the most amazing journeys yeah i remember i talked because it was quite a long because it last acl weekend mm-hmm. traffic everywhere or it was ut <laughs> games some, something like that I, I met this guy who was senegalese okay and he started talking about the french piece of that and how kind of a similar thing with the current political comment but anyway the point is is that you get to meet kind of all of these amazing people in their, their life, journey right? yeah mm-hmm. and so for you coming over from costa rica was there any expectation from the parents right like what are you, your folks were i imagine they're quite intelligent people right they, they are man they are um but honestly no i don't think there's much of an expectation on on either side for for my journey mm. um my my parents are divorced uh mm. so you know one lives in one side of costa rica the other one lives on the other side um i have a great relationship with both mm-hmm. i i think um when i left my mom actually was like oh, i don't want you to leave no, like, sure, yeah. my dad was like what, what are you doing man like you want to do this <laughs> um my dad doesn't drink either which oh is really um yeah um but they've i think more than expectations i think they've always been very supportive and very um you know you do your journey mm-hmm. it is it is your life and um my whole family is back home like back in Costa Rica. that's what i was thinking i don't yeah. i don't you have, have like brothers sisters yeah my, i have a sister my dad remarried i have two brothers well, too okay, gotcha. everyone's in costa rica i try to go visit them you know a couple times a year mm-hmm. um but it's 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 an opportunity cost right like i, I kind of need to make a decision between this journey of of, of building nosotros here in the u.s or, mm-hmm. or spending time with my family and things like that and um it's a, it's a tough balance sometimes <laughs> it is did, did you because i was Texan, texas has its very fair share of, of immigration and people that come over in any any way i don't judge and i but there is the element though that they have to assimilate mm-hmm. right and yeah. so obviously you were fluent before you came to go to college in la or in, in, fluent, in uh, english bilingual yeah um or no sorry i didn't want to assume it, enough enough like i i wouldn't say i was like fluent like i am now oh. uh, i i think i've been able to pick up the languages because i you know made a lot of american american friends mm-hmm. and like that has helped um i will say when i came to the u.s nobody could understand anything i was saying my oh, pronunciation wait. was was horrible yeah uh, but i learned english through reading um my dad helped a little bit because he he when he was younger he lived in alabama for a little bit oh no kidding uh, so he learned english was there. he working exchange student like uh, exchange student cool. yeah, yeah yeah um he had his own journey and like after sure. that he just wanted a different air at the time mm-hmm. uh kind of went there my didn't didn't really finish school at any point so sure, sure. some stuff over there but um i um i learned a little bit through that um and learned a lot through just american culture like friends was a big yeah, <laughs> english and like um but yeah i think just being here the pronunciation and understanding the language got better better with time would it was it a, a culture shock yeah 100 percent what was the, I mean, I love our TV and, and all that. It's like, that's a clear, easy way to kind of like, kind of figure things out and everything. 
But did you find your people, so to speak? Like, did you find your tribe pretty quickly? It, yeah, I got lucky, man. I, I, you know, in college, I was in the dorm with old guys. Yeah. Uh, at first, everyone was like, oh, you got the, the old guys dorm. <laughs> and ended up, ended up being the most amazing thing because you, you met a bunch of dudes and, you know, build friendships fairly yeah. quickly. Um, and with, with that said, I, I, there's obviously a learning curve in terms of like how the U.S. operates. Mm-hmm. And then it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different. Yeah. Um, you miss home or, or rather do you now consider the u.s home or are you still costa rica it's a uh, it's always a tough it's I, tough I, mean, right? I live out of a suitcase man uh-huh. so i you know i spend a lot of time in mexico i spend a lot of time in, in the u.s i spend a lot of time in costa rica um at different parts of my life yeah, and yeah. um the heart's kind of torn into different angles mm-hmm. um yeah i would say you know home is is costa rica home is is the u.s and, yeah and and i i i kind of bounce around in between a little bit does it because you say you're 30 now and like mm-hmm. does that change maybe the way you feel because i roughly i started roughly the same time like in, in this industry but luckily i'd already had one divorce behind me so i was like, <laughs> kind of like dip my, my toe in that pool to see if i wanted to see that. if it's for you yeah. <laughs> and it's for me just different people yeah, yeah. but no and when we grow man we you know it's constant change right like we're always right. growing and evolving and you're never going to be the same person you were the day before. So, and that's even better. Yeah, you know. But do you find that living out of a suitcase, which you know could be the title of anybody's autobiography, <laughs> right? And, and and this isn't to presume that you do or do not have a partner, but like, does that get in the way maybe of plans for you to start a family if that's what you want? Um, I mean, I I do. I I just recently got engaged. So oh, amazing! That's, that is that's exciting, and and it, it has its challenges, man. It has its challenges, and I'm I'm super thankful. Um with um with andrea the person i'm with um that she's very understanding of like my line of work and mm-hmm. like how it you know the, the separation she has her own career too mm-hmm. and um it, it comes with challenges you you need to find time to spend time together and find like the little bits and pieces that make it work so um but that's more than our industry i think that's also just entrepreneurship at large right precisely yeah, yeah. Do you have balance? That's a word I like to use. Like, because you're working a lot, I'm mm-hmm. sure you got more ideas than just adding the mezcal, which we'll talk about. Yeah. And what do you do to obtain that balance so that you're not always working? I try. I try. I think I've gotten better with with the last couple of years. Um, I found it that I was focusing a lot, and I've always been very uh, into like health and wellness too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I was focusing a lot on like friendships and relationships and work and I kind of let that go for a little bit and the last two to three years I've really been kind of regaining that okay um, and even with with our brand like our, our motto for the year is like drink less drink better like that is the the, the message that we're trying to convey mm-hmm. to people and like we found a lot of success with certain communities that see eye to eye with that type of lifestyle yeah um, well, we, do, we do a lot of stuff with like yoga studios, for example. Just, I, I love, <laughs> you know, it's fun. all right. I just had this conversation. That I'm, I'm very, I, I like to lift weights. You know, I'm, I'm 43, and I had this conversation with someone who's like half my age yesterday. I was like, I'm 43. And like, what? You're 43? And I'm like, yeah, because I make sure to sleep enough. Yeah, drink enough too. You know, mezcal or whatever. <laughs> but water, my diet is like really, and I love. But but the thing is, is that people feel somehow. And I, I I don't have a problem saying this anymore. You can drink and still be healthy. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's it's balanced, man. It's balanced because at the end of the day, you're picking and choosing what your your poison is. Yeah. Right? Like right. you can have a little bit of, of mezcal or a little bit of tequila and like be totally fine. 
Um, just depends on how you're drinking. If, if you're drinking a bomb with a bunch of sugar or like, you know, mixed stuff or like that's a completely different way right. than drinking a spirit neat or on the rocks or, um, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. I, um, I, I try to balance myself between, between drinking and pastries. That's my other. Concept. Oh, you do? Oh, uh, man. Well, see, that's, a, that's, a, I have a salt tooth, not a sweet tooth. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's like. I'll eat something that'll kill me maybe twice as fast. It's like, just give me a bunch of salami or something. I'm yeah. like, I love it. But the conchas and stuff, I mean, that's, yeah. it, that's, it's tough though, right? And it, do you find that it's getting tougher, not only because you're more busy as an entrepreneur, but because you're getting older and our bodies change? Starting to, I think starting to, I'm starting to have like little pains and things yeah, that right. I didn't have before. Um, but at the same time, I think from like an education standpoint, man, I, I spent a lot of time trying to understand my body and, you know, doing a lot of research mm -hmm. as to like what works for me and what doesn't. Yeah. I, I think at this point in life, I, I have two herniated discs. Oh, really? Like right after college, I, I herniated my, um, lower back, uh -huh. um, in two different places for two years. I could not. Was it like a, a an accident or just natural or sports? It was, or? it was sports, bad, bad movements in bad places. Oh, and, you know, as part of talk about, you know, American culture uh -huh. and like the, the culture shock. And I had a bunch of friends that were just like gym buffs right, and like, right. I would start to go in the gym with them and you start getting to this thing. It's like, Oh, let's try and squat things. Oh, I know horrible form and like stuff like that. Um, so I learned my lesson really the hard way. And, you know, I was, um, I'm going to, tennis and squash player my whole life and oh, okay. i was playing tennis at that point and and, and literally just tweet uh twisted and like got locked and like <sighs> ended up in the hospital got an epidural like oh my gosh. like the whole thing it was horrible um and for two years man i i literally struggled running struggled like doing absolutely anything and started doing pt and i found my only way out of that was through yoga and swimming really those two things saved my life and i think today i'm in probably the best physical shape I've mm -hmm. been since probably my 18 or 19 years old. Mm -hmm. So, and is that because of what a savior in a sense yoga and swimming became for you? Is that how it kind of became a natural intersection with the brand? A hundred percent, hundred percent, man. Yeah. And, and you know, I think I'm very lucky that even uh, uh, with speaking about the brand, like even with my my partners on all fronts, whether it's Mike, who's a co-founder of Nosotros, PJ, who runs our, you know, uh, sales program, Ryan, who was like very up at early there, mm -hmm. Joanna, who runs our, our design uh, and creative, uh, who's also from Costa Rica. Oh, cool. Uh, like every every person in our team kind of shares the mindset of, of the, the drink less, drink better. And, mm -hmm. and there's a clear connection there as to like how we see lives and, and, and balance. Yeah. Uh, no one overdoes it um and you know i could keep naming everyone on the team but sure. it, it is it is very very aligned which is cool i love that that's it's it's a real tough thing is when you get in the industry that you see such circles of abuse you know whether it's substance yeah. abuse or well it's really a substance abuse or just like drinking too much and stuff and i think what's not being said which i appreciate about nosotros is that it's like, dude, it's it's fine if you drink, right? Because everybody feels because it's a you know even in Texas there's still dry counties you can't even buy alcohol. In. I don't That's know if you wild. knew that. That's wild, wild. right? Now they realize there's money. Yeah, there's a bunch of money in it, and so certain counties are like, why did we? Why are we dry again? We could get all this sales tax revenue for the yeah. county. So they switch, switching over and stuff. But I think it more brands need because this whole drink responsibly thing to me is trite now, you know. I yeah. like the approach of saying, well, you know, you can do both. You can drink and you can be healthy. They're not like mutually exclusive. And something I was reading in an interview that you did is that just naturally, 
no salt, just tequila was additive free, right? Because you're just like, well, why would you put additives in it? Yeah. And so to your credit, that's a great place to be, especially now with what is a movement. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about, I would say tequila influencers, because I'm sure you deal with a lot of people in Agave, you've got great PR and everything. And I'm sure Emily's reaching out to people like Lucas Assis, who's made of mine and stuff. How do you feel about that part of the business now? Because that wasn't when we started. That's like not, the, that wasn't the influencer game. world. Yeah. It's interesting, man. I mean, I've, I've been in the industry now from inception, like the, from the idea and everything, just about eight years full time. That's, that's quite a while. Six years. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's It's been ebbs and flows into like what people talk about. Mm-hmm. I remember years ago, the whole debate was always between diffusers and non-diffusers mm-hmm. and then... Um, you know, we we get some degree of criticism between because in our distillation process we don't use the heads and the tails, right? Like we oh, really? we stick to the hearts. Oh, cool. Okay. And that's also a decision that we did just to try not like minimize like the aldehyde content and yeah, without sure. getting too technical. Like, no, but we we yeah the methanol and all that. I get yeah, get all of it. Yeah. Which is um, from like a health and wellness standpoint, it's better. But mm-hmm. then some purists say like you know the heads and the tails is where all the, the, f- the yeah. flavor comes from, sure. right? Like yeah. and there's uh, there's a whole debate in that. And at the end of the day, man, it, it to me it's drink what you like and and you know i we can try and educate people as much as possible mm. but there's still people that are gonna prefer you know stuff that is extremely synthetic and and that's especially in the u.s like yeah. that is oh, yeah. a lot of like the the taste profile that that some people do like mm-hmm. and i don't think i have a ethical superiority to tell that person like hey like you're trash because you're drinking that like here is my product right right and that is the only problem i have where to which where a lot of like our our industries going in terms of like the influencers and mm-hmm. a lot of the, the voices which almost seems like there's like a moral superiority to how they right. talk about things and and here is the only thing that i um that causes this feeling and is seeing the other side of the of the coin in mm-hmm. Mexico because mm-hmm. obviously we have our team that we work with and um you know we 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 there's the, the industry is very cutthroat here in the u.s everyone's kind of competing and right. going in it it's completely different in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Like everyone works with everyone. We have really good relationships with a lot of other distilleries and a lot of other people, producers in, in the area, and everyone helps each other. Right. Because they know that a rising tide lives, lifts all boats, and um, that is truly something that happens in Mexico. And my take with all this and the reason why I'm like kind of torn because on mm-hmm. one side I'm mm-hmm. like, it's yeah, it's great that there's a lot more education, and it's great that, that that we're we're moving in that direction. But I also don't want people to forget that that if it wasn't for those big brands, and you know, we're talking about mm-hmm. before we start, we're talking about the story about Cardi, for example. Like mm-hmm. that's if it wasn't for what those big brands have done, we would not be able to exist because they build an industry and they bring oh, right. people into the industry and they allow us to hey, like okay, like you started with that, now like try this, try mm-hmm. this, and like the it grows. You go into it. Um, I, I don't know. I think for as I get older, there's a, a tenant that I have. And I mean, let's, I've done a lot of shit, man. And like, I reflect on it. That's why I've been writing lately and sort of stub stack. So I can kind of go more into the things that were dark periods of my life, like all, all of it, you know. But I don't ever need someone to know what I know. I don't ever need you to know what I know. If you ask, fine. Mm hmm. And I think maybe the problem I have with the te- some of the tequila influencers is first the lack of time that they've actually put in this industry. You put in eight years, that's time. 
Yeah. I used to be in live music and touring and stuff. If you set up a drum set or carry a bass amp up a flight of stairs, you're good, right? We're good. You've put yeah. in your time, like being a barback. And so that's the thing is that with three months of expertise, six months of expertise, never even being out there, never yeah. even making cuts, never even having the responsibility to understand how something has to ferment, yeah. when to stop it, you know? They speak with such moral superiority. And so... Does it, because it is an economy in itself, and we were talking about marketing dollars and stuff before we started recording and your CEO. Let me, so. let me make a remark before. No, please. Yeah, just because what you just said uh, brought something to my, to my yeah, head please. too, which is not only, not only the lack of time, but also it's so easy to speak from this side of the border. Oh, yes. Yes. It's so easy to speak from this side of the border. And as someone who has to still every year renew the visa and like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. paperwork and stuff I'll, I'll leave it at that i'm just saying no and i i yeah. i we have a privilege yeah here yeah. and i and i get that and it's weird that it's become an influencer privilege in some sense you yeah. Know? yeah yeah but knowing that it is a necessary evil in some cases not some mm-hmm. of these folks are great right like i do like lucas a lot he's like <laughs> I, re- I really do i really like Lucas. i haven't met him yet he's but, such yeah. a good dude I, anyway i got a story about him i really like him um but you really like the let's use the phrase the cost of doing business sending them free product maybe yeah. getting them out to the distillery is that just something now that you just realize as a part of the game or do you resist it or we're, we're starting to do more of that to be completely candid we have never done much with influencers period okay even in our category or even outside we've tested it it's something that sure it gives you some degree of visibility yeah. does it translate into sales I, I don't know. Like I think it's it's way better to have our team be out and about doing tastings. Yeah. Liquid yeah. to lips. Like that's been our, our entire uh approach to marketing from the start because that's where we think we can we can win. Customers. I love that. Yeah, organic, um, right? With that said, you know, we've worked with a couple of people uh here and there and and, and they're great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're they're there's a lot of great people over there. It's tough to track. Like how to It's impossible uh, to track. It's impossible to track, man. And yeah. and that's where you know, every time we sit down with our, with our, we're talking about marketing, what can we do? And, um, yeah, it, it's, it's really difficult. It's weird, right? To like map, map out an ROI yeah. on all that stuff. Anyway, but it's, it's just interesting to, to me. And, and I'm glad that even unbeknownst to you that the additive free movement would be the next chapter after the yeah. user stuff. And you all just sided on the right side of it, you know, just and, and a little bit of luck to it too, man. Cause you know, I, I, um, and, and we have tequila mezcal, right? Mm-hmm. Two, two completely yeah, different production we, areas yeah. and two completely different families that we work with and, and groups. Um, and, and you know, I, our distillery gets plenty of criticism. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am I fully aware of it, and like it's something. What's the main? I, I'm, I know of the the maestro. The, yeah, because they like, have a lot. Of, they have a lot of products, and and you know, some have um, additives that sure. they work with, yeah, and yeah. some don't. And um, it is um, there's a lot more to it than what people see and mm-hmm. you know very very often everything gets put into a blanket and you get the, the cross they have two lines of productions one is completely industrialized the other one's a little bit more no diffusion outside just to be clear yeah, but, okay but one's more industrialized the other one's more artisanal and that's the one that we use mm-hmm. and uh you know we sit, sat down with them and developed a formula and, and not everyone does that like true like some people yeah, come yeah. in and they buy a product but they do that at a bunch of other distillers too oh totally so that's that's a i think that part of 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 
the influencer world and like the tequila side is, is interesting how people kind of like just rule it out mm -hmm. it's like you know one kitchen can produce multiple different dishes exactly. like that is that is totally fine <laughs> yeah you can like hamburgers and hot dogs exactly it doesn't make you a bad person <laughs> exactly no one's i mean the, the ways to have pizza right yeah. you get chicago people fight when New York people don't even make yeah sense so nosotros was the fourth idea out of the three that you had to pitch for class right so um is that how that is that did I read that correctly uh you're almost there yeah. the the class focused a lot on pitching business ideas uh -huh. and we would divide into groups and work on the top three ideas. oh i see i see okay and um my idea was ranked fourth and, and where the class voted oh, I got so you. we did not end up working on nosotros i actually that entire semester I ended up working on this uh ergonomic knife idea thing an ergonomic knife yeah, How, yeah. where's that now and didn't go anywhere which okay, is yeah. which is why i always say i am so happy i did not get the selected yeah, as like the right. top idea and at first i was like oh, i thought that was a good idea and then obviously like if it would have gone into the class thing it probably would have not panned out into right. anything that, yeah. i love that though because it's just good ideas or even bad ideas <laughs> i know right <laughs> they come from someplace so i tried that tequilas and i for people that know me and it's funny my my partner Kay who's one of the best bartenders I've ever seen in my life and beautiful woman and all that. But she's like, oh yeah, you don't really drink tequila. We've never drank tequila together. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I just don't, I, I drink mezcal so much more. You know, it's, it's and I get, but I, I get it. Right. And, but something that I found interesting and although I hadn't had a chance to try it, is it the Añejo that's inside our casks or the extra Añejo? So we did a limited release. Uh, this was a really fun project. So Mike, um, He's your CFO? Uh, CFO, yeah, co-founder yeah, yeah. and, and, and CFO. He's a really good friend. Um, his, um, so he's from Oregon originally. Oh, cool. And okay. his cousin is the head cider maker at Two Town Cider. Oh, nice. Um, so the way we envision nosotros, and you know, I think we want to dive even more. We'll, we'll talk about Mezcal in a little bit because that's, that's uh, something yeah. I really want us to start focusing more on. Sure. Um, but... I want us to be an agave company. I want us to be able to do fun stuff. You know, we have our core SKUs and mm -hmm. hopefully that'll allow us to continue growing and, and have a little bit of like a steady uh, growth. But then we also want to have a collection or like little limited releases that are different. Yeah, cool. Um, as we were thinking about this idea, um, we were chatting with him and, and we were like, hey, do you think we could potentially move some cider barrels from, from Oregon down to Mexico and see what happens? Yeah. Um, so these were barrels that um, Woodford Reserve had formerly used they bought him from woodford okay they did their uh, bad apple cider um batches um and then that comes out of like 9.5 abv i mm -hmm. think it was and then we moved them with uh, they're still wet mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um to mexico five barrels and we um did a nosotros age our blanco uh for almost 22 months straight mm. into the cider barrels and the product that came out man i was so impressed with it because it's it it's one of the most unique tequilas i've ever tasted in my life um the whole idea with it was let's see if this this happens it's either gonna taste like yeah, shit or it's gonna work out and five barrels isn't like all all day that's not yeah massive i mean yeah. we did 1500 bottles that yeah. was it right it's not nothing too too crazy and and uh, i think we still have a couple hundred left but uh people love them uh just because it was such a unique and different um taste profile to what it usually you expect what was the color like i'm real curious was it that kind of cidery i'll make sure to send you a little sample i, I don't that, know yeah. if the team sent you but i'd no. love to i'd love to send you some um for you to try because it, it 
it is cidery a little bit yeah um not red it didn't come out red mm-hmm. um the color was was deep but not nothing too crazy uh, but the the nose and the taste profile is just completely different. You 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 caught a little bit of Woodford, which is funny. That's so cool because yeah. it's tequila. It almost it kind of gives you like that. Uh, if you're a whiskey drinker, uh-huh. you, you kind of go into it and you're like, wow, like this smells really good. And then you end up, but you still get a lot of like that more traditional like agave spice. Uh-huh. Um, but that's like because I, I love it because apple spice. Yeah, come on, all spice. Mm-hmm. You know the yep. pepper, this beautiful combination, and then Woodford to me, which I love, has it a a caramel cherry kind of uh oak flavor mm-hmm. so then all these fruits together all these like bacon spices the pepper and so it sounds fa- fabulous i think that's i, I love that because that's the kind of stuff I, I like to do what any because i do I, I, we must talk about the mezcal but any other crazy harebrained ideas that you can talk about that that you've got coming up uh nothing public just yet okay i think we you know i shared a little bit of like the what's happening uh yeah. back oh back that's home. right so that's we're, right we're, but that that part we could talk about right yeah yeah yeah. we can we can we can talk about that that's public now and uh, uh my good friend has kind of run the show over there i'd love to to keep playing with non-traditional yeah, barrels i love and seeing what comes out of it uh especially up in oregon man you get a lot of you get like a, a stout cask or something which there's a really lot of stuff man there's it's, a lot of stuff over and there. there's no end to the journey that's why it's yeah. exciting you know that's the exciting part and, and the cool the cool thing about it man is like to me when when you go back and you think about like what what is the purpose of barrels mm-hmm. originally man it was just to transport it transport yeah. that's it right like that's a little bit of where it came from and then they peeled them out and they're like oh shit this is this turned into something different let's see what comes out of like it right? the thing with cognac right cognac was yeah. created they only distilled the wine because it was lighter to carry. Because lighter to carry, yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> Booze is, is really a, an invention of necessity. Yeah. At sometimes, which, yeah. I mean, we get to take advantage of that. We um we developed a decent relationship with the people from uh, Remy Cuantro. Oh, and uh, dude, their, their stories and like the family over there. And, and uh, it it's cool. It's cool it's, hearing like that. I love Remy, man. It's That's a great, great the, brand. And, and they're, they're, traditional and they they stick to their the land and mm-hmm. you know that the, one of their pillars is terroir and like that's the big thing and uh and they they feel it mm-hmm. which is which is always cool to see i love that okay perfect segue so i tried the mezcal i tried all the actually i didn't try the ripple i'll try it when, when when you're here when we stop recording but mm-hmm. i did try the mezcal and so what was that journey like obviously it makes sense as an extension to the core line mezcal yeah. but for you what is your relationship like with mezcal because uh, your relationship with tequila is really well documented on forums mm-hmm. and other kinds of interviews. But mezcal is that a new journey for you? A little bit. I mean, it started I think back in uh, ideation and meetings and everything back in 2018. Um, I I love mezcal, man. Mm-hmm. I, I discovered it through tequila. Yeah. Um, you know, it's one of those things where you start and you kind of go down the rabbit hole of agave, and, right. and you know, I think you more than anyone else understand agave with your background in sotol and like all the all the stuff, man. Yeah, 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 man. And even raicilla now is starting to. Oh. Uh, it's interesting. Yes, it is. Um, mezcal kind of stemmed from 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 that journey, and then we got introduced to this amazing dude, Jorge. Um, in, down in in Oaxaca, he's in Miahuatlán de Porfirio uh-huh. Diaz. Oh, he's in he's in Miahuatlán. Are you familiar with it? I've been there many times. Awesome, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The Palenque is like right at you know where the high security prison is. Uh huh. So live right behind it. Is it really? It's hilarious. Yeah. Did you all right real quick because I've been out to Miahuatlán yeah. a couple times. Did you hear the story about how the the folks think that because there was a highly trafficked narco that was going into that prison, they killed all cell service? Did you hear about that? Yeah, it, it's true. 
I bet it's true. It, no, no, it it is true. Oh shit, really? With, with three miles around the the prison, you you get to your to your service. Oh man, that that's serious. They they absolutely killed it, and um, they're I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I, I like my life, so I will not be talking too much about <laughs> it. But I, I do understand that they are moving him. Um, if they haven't moved him already, uh-huh. it was like gonna happen sometime. Soon. Isn't that crazy though? It one hundred percent, and and, and but, it is it is the second most secure prison in in all of Mexico. I didn't know that. Yeah, where's it, the first? Probably Mexico City. Outskirts. They all in like it, remote it, places because yeah. they don't want yeah. the, the access. Yeah, I don't know anyway, which one's the first one is, but this was just the conversation that we were having over there. But all the prisons are in remote areas. Oh like, yeah, I mean yeah. it's like in the middle of nowhere. It is. I mean you're two and a half hours away from Oaxaca. Yeah. And like it takes. It's a windy road. Windy, 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 windy yeah. road. And it is. Uh, it takes a while to get out there. And and dead serious. There's absolutely no cell service in that area. So yeah. all right, good. So we, I know where you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I. I love the those mezcalis from there. You know, they have. We'll get a little bit nerdy when I stop recording. The, I learned some things about the soil from a water guy that I met. That he was in from Vancouver yeah. when I was in Mojave anyway. So it's very beautiful. But so how did how did you know this was the right region? Because of course everybody goes to Matatlan, right? They go and they build the mezcal. Yeah. There. Why this region? Even though I I love it. it uh, people yeah it it i did not know the region i'd be lying here if i mm. told you i did the soil test and all this this <laughs> stuff uh i just we just really really hit it off with uh jorge and his family and was it a, a a day trip of multiple palenques or yeah a, yeah, yeah. Okay, we, okay. we visited a few different we you know got connected with a different a lot of different palenques and with mezcal something that a lot of people don't know is is even you know that like the del maguez mm-hmm. or like the bigger brands they produce in a lot of different palenques, right? It's oh, not, right, they're right. not using one single place. And, and that's something that, uh, we wanted to see and we wanted to, you know, go out there and really experience. And, um, but the, the level of hospitality, we're talking about, oh, yeah. you know, Southern hospitality, that there's nothing like Mexican hospitality too, um, that, that they have and how they roll it out when you come in and, and the, the conversation. And, you know, we, we had, we had had a meal, we had drank mezcal, we mm. had, um, chatted for three hours before we even talked about business or anything like that very european in that way right and i love it man i love it and and um remind me to you talk talking about culture shock remind me to come back to that because there's something there that I, oh, yeah. I always think about which is i think it's so fascinating from like cultures on both uh the latin american mm-hmm, component mm-hmm. and u.s sobre de mesa right like you, yeah <laughs> you forgot my man right? yeah, exactly. but there's there's also another one on that goes on the reverse right oh um you know, there's no direct translation in Spanish for the word accountability. Really? No. That's fascinating. There is responsibility. Uh-huh. There is your duty. There uh-huh. is like the word accountability as it is does not exist. Yeah. That is fucking incredible. I had no idea. Then, oh, I'm taking that to the grave. That's it, a great. Isn't that fantastic? Yeah. yeah but on one side, you have sobre mesa, right? Like yeah, the over yeah, the yeah. table, the the for, for English listeners, like yeah. the 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 concept of chatting after a meal and staying mm-hmm. on the table, like it's a word that doesn't exist in English. I know. But then on the flip side, accountability is that is. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that's so fabulous, Carlos. I love. It. Thank you so much for that. That's like life changing. Language. Part. I had no idea. Language is beautiful, man, because it it shows you so much about culture. It does. Um, but so the trip to Miahuatlan. Yeah, so we, we How did they, they have a, uh, he's bound to work with a lot of different uh, Karwinskis and Espadines and stuff. Oh right? yeah. I mean, they had a bunch of different Karwinskis. They have a it's really cool. They have a huge approach for sustainability. Mm. Uh, their entire palenque is built with uh re- recycled materials. Oh, like wow. it, it is really really cool. They have a um their own nursery that they kind of grow Amazing, over there. Yeah. Uh, and they're moving, you know, all the Karwinskis and like the, the, their, um, like in this case, like we use Toala and like mm-hmm. they, they have a group of people that focus on Toala in different areas and they move them from the places. So they, they're not competing for resources right, after right. the third year. 
Um, it's very, um, they, they have a solid operation over there. And then we started playing with, with you know, just different taste profiles and what mm -hmm. we wanted to do. I, I When we did the first tastings, I fell in love with Tola. Tola yeah, was sure. like my favorite. and then From that region especially. It, it's, it, the Tola that's endemic for me, Aguatla, man, I think is the best Tola. That, that I, I've got one you got to try then, yeah. Because I absolutely, it's one of my favorite bottles. I think it is it is unparalleled. And, um, um, you know, we started playing with it. And, and I didn't want our first mezcal to be a $200 bottle, a $150 mm -hmm, mm -hmm. bottle. So, you know, we cut it a little bit with Espadín and, and started playing with different, we started with, we tried Espadín Maracuiche. We, tried, we wanted to do an sure, ensemble sure. from the start. Um, and we landed on that, man. It's it's not as hot as a lot of other mezcales. Mm -hmm. It's a 42%, right? Um, and... Some people love that. Some people hate that. Um, right. I just think the flavor is very pure and very crisp and mm -hmm. clean. Um, so, yeah. If Had you... Was mezcal going to happen inevitably anyway as a product extension? Probably, I, right? I, like I, it just, but you yeah. just had to make sure you found the right person. Yeah, I guess, right? yeah, yeah. I, I, we, we definitely wanted to do that down the road. And, and you know, when we did it, there was barely any brands kind of doing that crossover. But yeah. I, I want Nosotros to be an agave mm -hmm. uh, company. I, I love that as we grow and you know different families and different different groups and uh, different regions potentially too yeah yeah, yeah. we're oh, not, not close to not close to that i i think agave is beautiful and like the the variety and versatility of mm -hmm. taste profiles that you can create on it oh it's i mean it's ridiculous i mean we're drinking a mezcal from michoacan that's made from tequilana mm -hmm. and it doesn't taste like tequila right at all right? <laughs> it's like a completely different, different thing it's, it's really the richest world i think of a spirits in of anywhere right that diversity, I, I love that. Yeah. There are a lot of tequila brands. There are a lot of mezcal brands, ever growing amount. And I think growth is good. I would love to see more people embracing mezcal. But for you, it must be difficult because I, now I know you better. Now I know more about your journey. There's some context. But selling mezcal and selling tequila, is it? an ever-growing difficult job because there are a bunch of other people who really don't give a shit like you do that are out doing that too. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, it is very tough. And and I'll give examples just because we're obviously geographically here only for the, the U.S. market because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Mexico has its challenges. Oh, and sure. We struggle with that too. And we're now selling in Costa Rica too, which is oh, awesome. cool. And it's been a really cool thing to That's bring That's very cool. It's so easy over there, man. Like there's barely any regulation and you can <laughs> yeah. just sell it out wherever you want. Yeah. Here in the US, ever since prohibition, right? You have like the three tier system. You gotta work with distributors, you gotta work with retailers. Just navigating that, that's one part of it. Yeah. Right. You you work then with the the concepts. You gotta figure out, hey, are we gonna be a on premise brand? How are we gonna price it? Mm -hmm. Um, trying to do all these type of things and then um retail. Like yeah. you want people to drink it, uh, you want to put it on the shelf. Putting it on the shelf is half the battle. The other half is getting it off the shelf. Um, you're talking, you know, the ever-growing amount. Everyone wants to be the next George Clooney. All these celebrities uh -huh. have come on board and said, like, oh, this is going to be so easy. We're going to white label some stuff, put it over there. It's not as easy, man. It's not as mm -hmm. easy. And um, I think there, a lot of them are starting to realize it, uh, that it's not as easy as, as, as they thought it might have been. Um, and for a brand like ours, you know, we, we don't have the megaphone of a celebrity and that's and that's something that we've made peace with. Uh, yeah. It's something that um, we've agreed and, and comes with slower growth, um, but it's been sustainable. We're, we're a very small company still, um, but we've had solid growth year and year every year. So that's more than we can ask for. I think, and I'm curious what your, your take is on this. 
we were talking about a, another Texas brand earlier, and they had a ton of money built out a really beautiful tasting room, even if the product doesn't really, it's not as good as the tasting room is. But for you, did, did you ever, it feels like you wanted to grow modestly, right? Yeah. Did I you was, ever think about the opposite though too? Like where you could take millions of investment and grow it? I, I didn't not that know. Anybody I, don't, I don't, yeah, I don't think that ever crossed because coming out of college, man, like there's, there's a lot of, demons that you kind of fight through right like mm. you're you're going up the ebbs and flows some days you have some great days some days you're questioning whether or not what you're doing is is right right um is this going to work out mm -hmm. right that yeah. that question happens over and over again and i think this is it's human nature and you got to fight that a little bit uh, but i i was always very skeptical of t taking like a big outside investment from whatever it might be just yeah, because right. it's it's different when it's your money and it's different when you're dealing with someone else's money yeah. right um so we didn't really do any sort of funding until recently i mm. think you know and recently we we raised some some volume and the whole idea was to grow we did get lucky in the sense that we got connected to a lot of people in the spirits world mm -hmm. that provided some really good insight very early on and um you know you can love or hate the brand but the the he is a mastermind of of brand building uh got to, connected to arturo from class azul mm -hmm. uh, he was a uh, uh, from a from a building of brand was able to yeah. share a lot of insights super welcoming literally gave us an hour and a half of just chatting on the phone amazing um david perkins from high west whiskey david i don't do you know david yeah. amazing I've interviewed human, him years ago amazing human being man and it's you know so cool. I, we stay in touch quite often and and uh he's been a big mentor um mm -hmm. just an understanding like what are like the the things that work and what doesn't uh, we have a fantastic relationship with Whistlepig. Um, oh nice out of, out of vermont too like yeah um Alex Roberts uh, just recently, you know, now sits in our board and he's, he's their CFO and op operates all super young dude too mm -hmm. and, and, and understands the industry. So I think through time we got lucky in the sense that we skipped a lot of dummy taxes. Yeah. Um, right. And the biggest advice that we got was always, you know, liquid the lips and focus on what you can, what you can control. Mm -hmm. Like don't mm -hmm. try to go too big too soon because it's going to bite you in the ass. Right. Um, and I was lucky that I read the Tito story. Yeah, uh, I remember that. <laughs> you know, Tito's people think it's a, it was, um, whether you like vodka or not, yeah. that's again, another conversation. Yeah. Um, they did not leave Austin for a long time and people think Tito's is, is an overnight success and it's like a four year old company. Took a long time. Um, Max, speaking of maxing out credit cards, I believe the story reads that he maxed out seven credit cards yep. to make it happen. And, and you know, you got to take those, those chances. And, and so we, we took that, that approach of like, Hey, we want to stay in one specific area and we did not leave California until the end of 2020. Mm. Um, because we wanted to make sure that even our little area, like we still haven't grown too much outside of like the different places. Yeah. Cause I want, I want to go, I want to go narrow. Mm -hmm. I want to go deep. Mm -hmm. So it's mm -hmm. like when we build partnerships with certain people, I want that person to know that the moment I walk into the bar, they know who I am. They know that I'm there. They know that they, if, if, if we want to do a tasting, I'll be there for their clients. Yeah. They want to do a paired dinner. I'll be there. Um, and, and show up, man, because I think it all comes down to what we talked at the very start of the podcast. It's people to people. Yeah, I agree. It's funny that we're talking. I never really know beforehand because, you know, PR companies, because Emily was like, well, what, what are you going to ask Carlos? It's like, you know, even though I haven't talked to her on the phone, that's just how I, I imagine she inflect, inflect <laughs> that, that question. Right. And I'm like, well, I don't always know, yeah. you know, because to me, it's a jazz duo. You know, you 
fall a little bit behind the beat and we bring it back feet of each other precisely right? yeah precisely and that's why it's really a magical thing for me most of the times when i get to do these interviews but i was writing earlier again i'm kind of taken to writing i, I was my partner said you obsessively create music maybe step away from it until you can't not create anymore and so then i was like all right cool so music's over on the side for a little bit so i took to writing and there was this notion as i was kind of writing about myself which i don't always do i usually write about things okay but are you afraid to fail it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting question um i'll take a sip of water yeah. that that. <laughs> i was more there's plenty of tequila yeah <laughs> Um, I think not necessarily the afraid. I'm, um, I'm a very type B personality person. I'm very, very relaxed in like the day-to-day operations. Obviously, like I handle a decent chunk of, call it stress or Mm -hmm. call it like shit that you need to do. Um, I don't think fear is the, the right word for that. I think it's something that is always a possibility Mm -hmm. and if anything, I think it, I find that more as a driver for work being, I don't want to fail mm. rather than I'm scared of it. I, I know it's always a possibility. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that I'm going to try to the best of my ability to, to not go in that direction. But I think in my, in my, in my life, one thing that I've come to accept is, is we talked a little bit about change, man. And, and there is a lot in life that you cannot control. Right. And, you know, we are one bad batch away from a lawsuit that takes us over. Right, or right. we are one uh, bad circumstance that could potentially do X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some variables that no matter how hard you try, man, you're not going to be able to control them. That's and fine. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with accepting that um, there is a lot of life that I'm not in control of. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also part of the reason why I struggle so much with planning. Ah. Uh, I, I, I like living kind of life on a more, more day-to-day basis uh-huh. rather than planning too much in advance. Um, just because of that, because I know there's a lot of stuff in life that I can't control and it kind of pops up and, 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 and I think that's, I kind of like that. I, I think My that's great. Psycho approach, but <laughs> no, no, yeah. everybody does it differently, yeah. you know, but I, you know, I, I would say I come from the fight club generation, Yeah. you know, and that movie, if I learned anything from that movie. Stop fighting what you can't control. And that's a massive thing that if you understand that, things will be easier. Not because they're easier or more accessible. Yeah. But because you won't get in your own way. Yeah. It's it's a, it's a very profound kind of thing. And I, I, I love that. But that's the notion. That, that may be the singular, singular, single most important question I ask people now. And I just started thinking about this. I've never asked anybody that before. But Are you that, scared? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. You know, I... I don't know if I'm a good writer, for instance. Yeah. But I certainly enjoy it. And I know I'm not shit at it. So what, what, what's the harm? Yeah. You know? And yeah. if nobody reads it, fine. If they read it, fine. It's for me. The journey is worth more than any destination. 100%. You know? Yeah. And that's that's the thing that's, that's really lovely about talking to other entrepreneurs about their experience because... I find a lot of similarities between us and how we think about people and mezcal and, and tequila. So we got a couple, about two more questions for you. Mm-hmm. Um, one is, and you can't say John Mayer or Bob Marley, <laughs> but 
But let's say you're drinking this this beautiful mezcal from Miahuatlan with anybody, living or deceased. doesn't matter where you're drinking. But who would you like to have a sip and conversation with? Oh, man. Um, See, I, I intentionally didn't send this to the PR company. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, so I, I contemplated... Um, I would, I would, I would, I'd say I would contemplate just because I literally just stopped uh, listening. But this is so, such an easy answer because we're in Austin. No. Obviously. I, I just finished listening to Green Lights, the Matthew McConaughey book. Oh, really? Cool. He, he has to be a fun guy to sit down I'm and chat a com- conversation. But I, I'm not going to choose. Well, no one, I, I don't think anyone's ever said McConaughey. Really? Yeah, out of the hundreds of times I've asked that question. He, I mean, that, that, that I, I, I never do audiobooks, but he reads his own book and yeah. obviously he has a very soothing voice. Got a great voice. So I was like, man, let's, let's listen to it. And I listened to it on the plane and I was like, okay, man, like, this is awesome. Like, he's just telling his stories mm-hmm. and like went down Australia, like his whole existential crisis trying to figure out who the fuck he is right. and like being out in, in California and then his Texas roots and his family endeavors. I feel like he just lives and yeah. it is very, um, fun to have like that type of, of of approach with somebody i love that um i think that's fair i think that's a great answer yeah and yeah. i don't think it's i don't think it's catering to texas or any I, of that he really does seem like a cool guy yeah yeah you know when he was the creative director for wild turkey was it yeah remember that is he still doing that he's not he's, he's not still no. doing it but that was cool you know it he you know some people love him some people hate him it's like just i feel like the guy just does himself and i was like okay cool yeah i love to watch him and his um his wife is brazilian Uh so he has a a very uh, i feel like he would also have like a very good understanding for like latin american culture absolutely it's kind of cool absolutely you have a sorry go ahead and it'd be fun to like just walk with him and like oaxaca and around and like get into trouble out there oh man (laughs) and he would most assuredly get into trouble with it any favorite movies of his matthew if you're listening send us a message let's do this (laughs) (laughs) i hope that he's that he even i'm even a blip on his radar which i certainly don't think so but maybe someday what any uh particularly favorite mcconaughey movies he's done so many good things he's done a lot of stuff man i don't know a lot about him as an actor to be completely honest like i i haven't followed him much as an actor yeah i kind of learned his journey through the book oh i love that Uh, because you're a reader yeah, well, in this case, a listener. Well, that's I a good point, good point. Yeah. But you, do you watch many movies? I, I do, you I do. do. Okay. I, I do love, I do love, um, there's a lot of stuff, man. Um, from him, I'm trying to, like, think back a little bit. I saw The Gentleman not too long ago. That's a Guy Ritchie, I think it great was. Great film. I was very impressed with that one. He was great as a villain. He's he's, he's a villain and not, right? Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yeah. yes. Like, what, what's that called? Like, the anti-villain? Anti-villain, yeah. yeah. Um, so that was that was a good movie. That was great. Yeah, yeah. I like I like Guy Ritchie. He's Me always too. had a little bit of a different style of of creating and the way he put, man the way that like that's that, that uh, Colin Farrell was in that movie. Yes, amazing. Yes, right? he I have followed man. I think I, I love Colin, Colin Farrell. Farrell. I think is a genius man. Yeah. Did you um, watch the Banshees of Inisherin? I haven't. Okay. I love to. him. Yeah. And I love Burning Gleason. Just watching so much. Yeah. Yeah. Got to watch it. Yeah. Um. What was I gonna say? The uh, what was the one that he did with uh, Heath Ledger, and that they, they switch uh, Doctor Parnassus? Was that the one? That's right, the Terry Gilliam. Movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The they, last movie Ledger did before he died. Yep. Right? Yeah. And then they switched them with him. Uh, call it was Colin Heath Ledger. Um, who were the other two that? Oh, I can't. Was it Matt Damon? Right? Damn, I, I can't no. remember. Who. So they the same character switches four times mm-hmm. actor, and I thought that was a really cool thing. That's very cool. 
especially with Heath kind of passing and yeah. doing the whole thing. Yeah. That's a Terry Gilliam thing. He's the only kind of guy that can do that. <laughs> but, so the last question for you, um, the, the mezcal that's in Texas now? This mm-hmm. is a side question. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. I mean, it is physically in Texas here yeah, on this yeah. table right now. <laughs> Where are you off to next? So in terms of travel, travel life. Yeah. So I'm heading back to um, Los Angeles this week, later in the week. I'll be there for about a week. Uh, we just started opening Florida. Oh, uh, amazing. This is the first time. With RNDC too or no? We're with Breakthrough out okay. there. Oh, yeah. Breakthrough. Yeah, yeah. 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 So we, we did, um, so RNDC, we have Texas, Arizona, California now. We were self-distributed in California until um, last year. Mm. We just we just signed with RNDC out there and the um you know the, even the very first meetings we had out there with distributors were like how much money do you have for incentives and right. we were like uh, not not that much man we're uh <laughs> we, we this is what we got so we we're like okay let's just self-distribute invest in our own team and, and that's how we built uh, uh, our main market for for now and then uh we we're also with them in illinois and then we have uh, a couple independents ones like uh, badger in wisconsin mm-hmm. and um yeah that's kind of like that. that's amazing man it's growing so yeah, Florida, Florida, um, start November, and then uh, I'll be in Costa Rica too at the end of the year because we're doing Great. a launch with um, Auto Mercado. It's kind of the closest thing that we have to Whole Foods uh-huh. in, in uh-huh. Costa Rica. So we're we're doing a little launch there. We can do like a pair of dinner and some stuff. That's amazing. Yeah. I it's been really a pleasure chatting with you, and I think that someday one of the projects or one of the brand extensions, if you will, I suspect you're gonna bring you back to Costa Rica. It it would be cool, man. We've been um, we've been trying certain things in the yeah. fermentation process, even with our tequila, to kind of start drawing a little bit more ties over there. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the efforts that we're doing from a sustainability standpoint come from Costa Rica. Hundred percent recycled glass bottles. We switched all of our corks to bio corks. Nice. Uh, we're working on doing a, a labels now that are going to be fully made out of a, a agave a leftover uh, bagasso, yeah, yeah. right? Um, and the the whole idea is that as as we continue to grow, we try to minimize our, our environmental impact. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to to do that at some point. Uh, yeah. I, I think we still need a little bit more resources, but once we get to that stage, it, it, it'll be cool. I, I kind of see it. Funny enough, man, and, and this is something that I, I really appreciate, which is uh, our the head of our distillery who kind of like runs all the ops mm-hmm. over there, uh, he worked in Costa Rica for like 10 years no, and his no. son was born over there. So there's a lot of connection oh there in gosh. terms of like the life. And uh, he brought some of his team over there. So yeah. the, the, in the there, there's actually a few ticos in there. And like, that's great. Um, and then a lot of like the Mexico people do have moved to Costa Rica. There's, I don't know, I love, I love the, just the different backstories of life and, and kind of wild how you end up it's, in different places. It's massive and mm-hmm. you'll never know. Yeah. So don't be afraid of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Carlos, thanks so much for chatting. Ch- thank man. you, man. I'll talk to I you. Uh, very, very candidly, truly appreciate your time. And, yeah, and, thank you. And uh, this type of conversation is hard to come by, man. Yeah, I agreed. Cheers. Talk soon. Cheers, brother. Well, there we have it. Carlos Soto of Nosotros Tequila and Mezcal. Great chat. Really, really lovely getting to know him. Intriguing guy, too. I feel like we could talk about all kinds of things and he would have a deep interest in it. And just for the ripe old age at 30, I mean, he's done quite a bit in this industry, and I can't wait to see where the brand goes. Some interesting cask finishes, some more interesting stuff. I don't know. There's a lot of promise to the brand. And, you know, how I feel about tequila, and I, I told Carlos and stuff, and it's it's good tequila. It is, you know, but it's more about who he is. I mean, that's why I buy into the brand a lot more, because I like him. He's earnest. And you don't always get that with folks that run tequila brands. 
So thanks everybody for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter if you're leaving for London here in a mere few hours or if you've never been to Scotland but you look forward to getting into the cold, please keep dancing. <laughs>